Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at Grace Baptist Church. We'd also love to connect with you online at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy the episode. Proverbs chapter number one, and we are going to be overviewing tonight a, uh, an interesting section of scripture, and it's the second part of the wisdom, uh, wisdom books or the books of poetry. And so we're going to look at these tonight. And so we'll be, uh, last, uh, last week we dealt with Job's and, uh, Job and Psalms. Uh, and what a wonderful book the book of Job's, uh, Job is, especially if you're going through trial, and to realize God's hand and his restrictive hand on Satan in the midst of everything, right? And maybe that's something you need to remember. Uh, Satan is on a leash, uh, and you are not going through anything that God has not allowed in your life. And uh, right now, Wednesday, right now, you're not going through anything that God has not allowed. Now, I know from experience hearing that sometimes, I'm like, you know, I don't want to even listen to that, right? You know what I'm saying? Just the reality of human beings. But God has allowed everything that we're facing, and so uh, we can put our trust in him. Proverbs chapter number one and verse number one, it says, The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, and judgment, and equity. Just a quick thought here. Where does wisdom, justice, judgment, and equity come from? It comes from the Lord. It's not something that belongs to a certain nation or to a certain person or to a certain group of people. It comes from the Lord. We need to remember that even, even right now. All justice, all righteous judgments, those all uh, come from the Lord. Equity, it comes from the Lord. Uh, verse number four, to give subtility to the simple, uh, to the young man, knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and will increase learning. And a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. To understand a proverb and the interpretation the words of the wise and their dark sayings. This is what he wants his son to be able to do. Verse number seven, the fear of the Lord. Let's read this together. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. All right, Rehoboam, my son, hear the instruction of thy father and forsake not the law of thy mother, for they shall be an ornament of grace unto thy head and chains about uh, thy neck. And let's read, uh, just pray together and ask God's blessing on our study this evening. Father, we give you praise that we can be here tonight and assemble. Thank you for the freedom to do that. And Lord, I pray that even as we think about the fact that you are the author of justice, you're the author of judgment in the sense of, uh, of discretion, of knowing, discerning between right and wrong, uh, you are the author of equity and all these things. These come from you. Lord, help us to look to you tonight as the, the one who can give those things, give us wisdom during these days that we live in, and to be able to walk in a way that pleases you. So help us tonight, give us wisdom in this time as we study your word. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. So, as we think about the book of Proverbs, the book of Proverbs, of, of no surprise to you, what's one of the, the biggest words or the concepts when we think of Proverbs, what's one of the biggest concepts that is being taught or being brought to pass to us in the book of Proverbs? Wisdom. Wisdom. So as we think of Proverbs, the focus of Proverbs is wisdom. And notice what he says, not just wisdom, but understanding. I want you to be able to grasp the concept. I want you to be able to understand the words of the wise and their dark sayings. I remember going through Proverbs class, and, and some of the Proverbs that, uh, that you'd have to break down, they would give us some of the really difficult ones and that we'd have to break down and, and, and come up with an interpretation of those Proverbs. Some of them are, are difficult, but they are meant to give us very practical guidance for life. Now, the authors of, of Proverbs, there's, there's several, but Solomon was, was the main author, uh, under, obviously under inspiration of of the Holy Spirit, um, but Solomon authored many, Agur, Lamel, and then some wise individuals that God used to write and pen down that we don't really, uh, we don't know by name, but some wise individuals that God, uh, that God used to write down these practical life uh, tidbits that give us guidance. Now, as you think of this, this is written, as we saw here in the opening verses, it's written to a son. Uh, recently, one of my pastor friends here in Ohio, he pastors the Mansfield Baptist Temple, he wrote a book, you can get it from Striving Together, and it's something along the lines of the title, 25 Letters to My Son. And you can, it's a modern day, modern day book of Proverbs to, uh, to his son, kind of an interesting, interesting way of writing a, uh, writing a book. It's, a, it's, it's neat. But you, you think about this, this was written from the heart of a father who's lived who's gotten banged up. You know, he's ha he has a lot of the, the scars of life. Uh, he has the, he has the, the, uh, the bruises from, from the decisions he shouldn't have made. He has the successes from the, and the stories from the decisions he did do right in, but he's coming to his son and saying, hey, listen, I'm going to tell you some things, and if you'll listen, it'll really help you out. It'll help you out. And that's what God uses Proverbs to do. It's filled with instruction on successful uh, living. And, uh, and it really uh, gives us understanding how life works. So when we think about the book of Proverbs, we're looking at a book that is just full of practical, practical uh, advice for everyday living. And it behooves us to really dig into the book. Uh, it's a book that, that if we read once a month, it's, it's, it's not going to hurt us. It brings wisdom from God's wisdom and understanding into the situations, circumstances of everyday life. Uh, I know several individuals that make it a practice on a, a monthly basis to read through the book of Proverbs. And so uh, you take 31 chapters and one chapter a day, and they, they just make that a part of their, their daily reading. Why? Because it's, it's full of helpful advice, wisdom. Now, where does wisdom come from? What does James tell us? It comes from God. We'll get there. But it comes from God, that, and that's right. And so when we need wisdom, we ask him. And he gives to all men, how? Liberally. He dump truck loads of wisdom that he gives to us. Now, and sometimes you might not feel like you have it, but you ask God for wisdom, believe that he's given it, go forward, make the decision based on his word, and, uh, and, and go, go forward with the wisdom that he has given. Now, as we think about breaking down the book of Proverbs, and we, uh, we started a study through the book of Proverbs uh, a couple of years back, and we got kind of halted right around chapter 10. We'll pick that back up sometime and go through the rest. But when you break down the book of Proverbs, really we're looking at the first 
nine chapters focuses in on young men. Now, it's not that none of us can listen to it that aren't young men. Uh, we can all gain advice from it, but it's given to young men. And a lot of it comes down to uh, portraying the uh, wisdom personified as a, as a woman. And, and then you have the strange woman. And God says, no, pursue after, pursue after wisdom. Make that your pursuit. And ultimately, wisdom is Jesus Christ. But for young men, it's broken down in that first uh, several chapters. It's a good thing for our sons to, to read through. There are times where I've given my son, uh, you know, we, we come up against something. All right, we're going to write down this scripture a couple times. Uh, we used to call them, uh, when we were growing up, sentences. You know, we got in trouble in school. They'd make us write scripture verses out or sentences. It wasn't a, it wasn't a capital pun. It was a, it was, you, you got a notebook paper and you have 30 sentences or you have 60 sentences or 120. It depends on how, and that we would write down, write down. Boy, your hand would hurt after that. But nonetheless, wisdom for young men there in those first nine chapters. Part number two, wisdom for everyone. So really when you get into uh, chapter number 10, uh, whereas in the first nine chapters, you can kind of group some of the Proverbs together. You get into chapter number 10, and it's like buckshot. I mean, it just goes everywhere. You know what I'm talking about, guys? And so as, as opposed to a slug, you know, you got, you got one here. I like whole thoughts. I can read these nine verses, and I get one complete concept. Get into chapter number 10, and it's just going every which way which also makes it really fun to preach through because it's very hard to thread those things together. Really, it's, it's next to impossible to thread some of those together because it's just all these different uh, uh, tidbits of wisdom. Part number three is wisdom for leaders. And I think you'll see that as especially you get uh, later on in chapters 25 uh, and to 31, uh, later around chapter 29 and 30, you see a lot of uh, wisdom for kings and wisdom for leaders and so, so forth. So tuck that away in the back of your mind, especially as dads and uh, everyone here that has a, a position of leadership. There's uh, some practical wisdom in those passages, those chapters to help you along with that. So the whole big idea of Proverbs really is fearing God and receiving his wisdom. Now, what does the Bible say about this matter of, of wisdom? Uh, Brother Steve mentioned it just a moment ago. Where does wisdom come from? Well, according to Proverbs chapter 9 and verse number 10, the fear of the Lord, the Bible says, is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the holy is understanding. So how are you and I to walk practically in wisdom? We need to fear God. We must fear God, and that's what Proverbs talks about. Listen, if your son... Is going, to, is going to walk in a wise way when he is out from under your eyesight, he better fear God. If you're going to walk before God on that trip out of town, you better uh, fear God. If you're going to walk in wisdom, you better fear God. You understand what? So the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Why, why does that, is that so important for us to grab a hold of? Because that follows us everywhere we go to work to every situation of our life, if we fear God as we ought to, we'll walk in wisdom. We'll take his word and we'll apply it in the right way. Now, let me just go back and define this for a moment. Wisdom is the right and correct use of knowledge. So if I know the word of God, wisdom, being a wise individual, is applying that word in the right way. It is not wise to hear the word of God, I know it, to hear the word of God and not do it. That is foolish, yet we do it. All too often, don't we? How many of you are with me on that? All too often. We do that. We don't, we're, we're hearers. 
We cognizantly know it, but we don't follow through and, and do it. And so we, we must fear the Lord if we are to walk in wisdom. So the big idea is fear God. Hold him in the highest esteem. You know, we think about fear, we think about kind of, you know, cowering in fear. That's not always the concept that goes along with fearing God. Some of it is respecting God so much that what he thinks about a matter becomes how I think about it. His thoughts adjust my thoughts. His ways adjust my ways. His desire, even the desire of his heart. I was reading on the way in, uh, listening on the way in, I should say, not reading on the way in. Uh, listening on the way in, and, and it was interesting to me because uh, Paul was told to the, the, to the Corinthians, we're not just all about the letter of the law, we want the spirit of the law. Well, when I'm walking in wisdom, when I'm walking in fear towards God, I'm not just about the letter, i got to do this, 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 and this, and this. No, I want to please God. Therefore, I want to walk in wisdom. And so we hold them in such high esteem. You think about that when it comes to our children. I think about my kids, and uh, there was a couple Sunday nights ago, I looked down the hall, we were talking to somebody, and they had grabbed those little, uh, those little desks that are there in the, in the short hall down here, or the hall going down to the kids' uh, wing, and they're just those flimsy uh, desks that are intended to, you know, to sit in front of your couch or something, and so they had, um, they had lined them up in the, lo- in the uh, hallway out here, Sierra and Savannah, lined them up in the hallway out there, and as I looked down, Sierra, uh, Savannah is, is kind of like a cat, circumspectly, uh, has one foot in the air ready to go onto the next desk. Well, in an instant, that thing could have flipped and she would be on the, on the ground. And you know, it's a wonder the kids don't kill themselves, right, before they, before they come of age, right? And it's, it's just unbelievable. And then you tell them, stop. And what's one of the words out of their mouths? Why? Why? Because I don't want you to die. That, I mean, it's just that. And so, you know what? It, as they grow up, it isn't, it isn't that, that I'm trying to rob them of their fun. I'm just trying to keep them alive. And you understand how that works. But as they grow up and begin to understand our hearts right, it is our perfect love towards them. Perfect, as perfect as our human love can be, right? You understand. But our fatherly or motherly love towards them that should cause them to say, I want to do whatever they ask me to do. Because I know it's coming out of a heart of love and, and, and their, their heart to father or mother me in a right way. And really, that should drive them to understand that, that their word is the final authority. It's not why. No, it's, it's well, there must be a good reason behind that. Uh, I'm going to follow their word. And so that, you know, obviously takes time. But as we grow in our, in our understanding with God, should it not be the same way where we grow to the point where God's word is the final authority, we know it's right, and we fear him, and so we're going to walk according to that word? Well, that's what God wants from our lives. So if we have a takeaway from the book of Proverbs, it really is this, seek to live each moment walking in the fear of the Lord. When you go out of the house tomorrow morning, walk in the fear of the Lord. What does that look like? That looks like you being conscious of God's presence tomorrow. That means when you wake up, you're not walking out the door before you've talked to God. Really, why is it that we would have even five minutes after we wake up that we have not yet said good morning to God? So walking in the fear of the Lord is really walking in this cognizance. God is here. He's watching everything. He's engaged in what I'm I'm doing. He he sees all my activities, and I I want to please him. So we walk in the fear of the Lord because it is the beginning of wisdom. So we think about Ecclesiastes. By the way, just let me connect this to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, according to 
to 2 Corinthians is made to us wisdom. So ultimately, when you're seeking wisdom, when we're walking in the fear of the Lord, we're walking and we're really seeking to abide in Jesus Christ. And when I have the heart of Jesus Christ, when, I, when I'm abiding in Christ, I will always walk in wisdom. And I'll have God's wisdom. And so we want that. Ecclesiastes, as we, as we turn from a book of practical wisdom and encouraging us to fear the Lord, really what Ecclesiastes is a very raw book that helps us to see what happens when we don't do this. When we choose to not walk and choose to neglect the wisdom that God has given to us. Ecclesiastes 1 in verse number 1. The words of the preacher. Isn't that interesting? The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. All right, what does vanity mean? Useless. Empty, worthless. So that's a pretty great outlook on life, isn't it? Yeah, what's the use? Do you ever ask what's the use? See one shaking their head. Yeah. What's the use in doing this? Does anyone really care? Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. 37 times the word vanity comes up in the, in the 12 chapters of Ecclesiastes. It's a dominating thought. It goes like this, vanity, all is vanity, and vexation of spirit. Vexation comes up ten times throughout the book. In verse 17 of chapter 1, I gave my heart to no wisdom. Think about that. I gave my heart. I applied my heart to no wisdom and to no madness and folly. So there's the, the flip side. Solomon's saying, I, I, I tried to pursue after wisdom, and I also tried to know and give my heart to madness and folly. I perceive that this also is vexation of spirit. What's Solomon saying? I as frustrated as could be, vexed in my spirit. And so the focus of Ecclesiastes is vanity and vexation. What a great, what a great book. Good bedtime reading. No, it's helpful to us. It's helpful. God gives us uh, these things to help us to know how to walk in a right and proper way. So obviously the author is Solomon. And as we break it down, Solomon's personal conditions, first two chapters, his personal uh, condition, here I am. This is what I've pursued after. Here's the raw of me. And he just lays it all out. And he, he lays it out very, very plainly. And even as you saw there in verse number 17, I tried to go after wisdom, tried to go after madness and folly. I even found this to be frustrating. Part number two, chapter three through five, his general observations, just generally observing life, making some, some, uh, making some statements about that. Uh, part number three, uh, that practical counsel, here's what I've learned, here's what you need to, you need to know. And really what I like about Solomon's, uh, Solomon's approach here is as he gets to the final conclusion, chapter 8 through 12, he really gets to the whole point. Okay, I, I've lived life, I, I had all the wisdom that anyone could ever have. He's the wisest man on earth. I've made some really dumb decisions, hadn't he? Some really dumb decisions. And he gets back to this whole concluding thought. All right, what's it all about? What's all this about? Turn over to chapter number 12 and verse number 13. Ecclesiastes 12 and verse number 13. What's it all about? And he comes down to this. And as we look at the big idea of Ecclesiastes, it is full of the, just the futility of life lived apart from God's wisdom, lived outside of walking in the fear of the Lord. 
Solomon's saying over and over, this just brought sickness to my soul. You know what that feels like? Your soul's empty. You smile on the outside, but on the inside, it's empty. There's no smile behind the smile. Well, that's where he was. He chronicles all this for us. He's on a desperate search for meaning and purpose. He's full of himself. I'll just, I'll just, I'll just live it all for me. You know what Solomon was in many ways? Very narcissistic. He looked, how can, I, how can I please me? Is that the answer to life? Is it all about me? Can I just please me? You know what he does? He comes full circle to this verse in chapter number 12 and declares to us this. Let's read it out loud. 12 and verse number 13. Ready and beginning. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God, keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Well, that's pretty clear. So he comes from, it's vanity, all's vanity, vexation of spirit, I'm frustrated on the inside, to saying, okay, I finally got it, and it's this. My whole duty is to fear God. Well, what's the beginning of wisdom? Fearing God. It's interesting that the wisest man had to write the book of Ecclesiastes and come to that conclusion through going through the hard knocks of life. Isn't that amazing? But he had to learn that. Fear God, keep his commandments. That's wisdom. That's wisdom. And, uh, you know, I think there's something to be said. Just because you've been given wisdom in one, at one point in your life doesn't mean you'll always walk in wisdom. It's a daily need. We daily need to seek God for wisdom, don't we? We sure do. And so if we were to give a takeaway for the book of Proverbs or the book of Ecclesiastes, refuse to walk, refusing to walk in the fear of the Lord and rejecting God's wisdom will always result in a frustrated existence. So it doesn't mean, you know, some of you might be frustrated here tonight and it, it may not be that you're, you're spurning God. Maybe you're just going through a trial. But we can be guaranteed that if we spurn the wisdom of God and the fear of God, we will, we will live empty lives. Think about it. Much of what the world is pursuing after, and even many believers pursuing after, they get so honed in on something, and they pursue after that because there's, there's a hole in their heart that they've not allowed God to fill. Why did Solomon have so many relationships? I mean, I mean, he had like close to a thousand women. Like, why? He had a hole in his heart that he, even though he knew God and had had personal relationship with God, he hadn't let God be the, the filler of that hole. And uh, we just need to realize that we cannot refuse to walk in the fear of the Lord. We must accept his wisdom. We must go forward in that life. Chapter 2 of Ecclesiastes, verse 17, Therefore I hated life because, that the, work, uh, because the, uh, the work that is wrought under the sun is grievous unto me, for all is vanity and vexation of spirit. No satisfaction. He had everything he could ever ask for. No satisfaction. We find in John chapter 6 several times that we find Jesus Christ is the satisfaction of our lives. We'll drink of him, we'll never thirst again. Remember when he stood up at the feast and said that? If you drink the water that I give, you'll never thirst again. We said, I've been saved. Well, you have to, 
Yes, I'm thankful for the fact that he fills us. He gives us, he gives us living water. But every day we need to be practicing drinking from the fountain that never runs dry, right? Uh, the springs of living water, there I found. And going back to him and just re- enjoying the satisfaction that can only be found in Jesus Christ and in that relationship with him. Maybe you're thirsty tonight. Maybe you're struggling. Go back to Christ. Look at him in the words of Scripture, allow him to fill and satisfy the deepest longings of your heart. And ultimately, that's what Solomon had to come to. So as we think about that, these these two books, Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, are really tied up in this matter of fearing the Lord, walking in wisdom. The one is a lot of instruction. The other one is, I knew it, but I didn't walk that way, and I found it out to be true. So let's learn from Solomon's mistake. And... uh, and that would be a wonderful thing. If you are interested in a book on, uh, on the book of Ecclesiastes, there is a book called Living Lighter, Loving Better. Uh, I think we have it over in the bookstore um, uh, that is written as a study of Ecclesiastes. And so that might be something that you'd be in, enjoy digging into. Number three, and quickly, the Song of Solomon. The Song of Solomon. You know, so God cares about our daily lives and our practice but he always also cares about marriage. And I remember being in an Old Testament survey, and in in, uh, in we're all single in, in, in Bible college, right, at that point. And I remember the a teacher getting to this book, and you know everyone's squirming because this is an interesting book, right? But it's a beautiful book. The focus of the Song of Solomon is, a, is true love, permanence, permanence, security and assurance within the marriage relationship, Solomon, uh, Song of Solomon, chapter 6 and verse number 3, I am my beloved's and my beloved is mine. I am my beloved's and my beloved is mine. And that complete acceptance that is shown between, uh, between this husband and wife. So uh, I, I find it's funny sometimes I'm talking to people and I'll say, you know that God um, wrote a whole book in the Bible on marriage and on the marriage re- relationship. And they're like, what? You know, God's about that? Yes, he is. He created marriage and he created it very good as Genesis 1 says. It's very good. And so he's created this, he's given us this book to help us to understand the importance of this relationship and what he wants it to be. Now Solomon wrote this during his reign as king, and he's written when he had around 140 wives and concubines. I mean, the guy, I, don't, I just do not understand what was going through his mind in all this. A lot of this was... Uh, uh, political marriages, but it, it really it showed his deep longing in his heart. But it, God used him to write this, this book and leave it for us. It's full of uh, frank and sometimes very explicit um, discussion concerning marriage. Uh, it's interesting that it's written in a, a, a very respectful way, a very respectful way. Um, but it is full of discussion on marital love between a husband and wife. And it's written in such a way that even younger readers, I remember, you know, it was kind of the taboo book. You don't, you don't go read Song of Solomon, right? Um, but it's written in such a way that the younger don't fully understand it, but uh, as married, uh, we understand it and understand the, uh, the beauty of that. Now, it, it is really written in contrast to the perversion of the world. Satan is always tries to pervert what God has made, doesn't he? 
And the marriage relationship is a beautiful relationship. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews that it is, it is undefiled. The marriage bed is undefiled. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. But uh, Satan's always trying to uh, pervert it. And so Song of Solomon sets it in contrast with the perversion of the world and the beauty of what God created it to be. So it's a, it's a wonderful thing. As we break it down in seven parts, there's the wedding day, and these are short parts. In chapters 1 through chapter 2 and verse 7, the wedding day, and the, the glory of looking forward to that. I, uh, my kids have been watching our wedding. We were married on this, on this platform, and, and so they've been watching, and uh, they're, they're walking on the aisles, and they, they're, uh, the two little girls, they've, they've been re-watching. They're walking down the aisles with their flowers. They're taking apart bouquets at home and so, uh, so on. The beauty of looking forward to the wedding day. And the Song of Solomon paints that picture of the, the looking forward to that wonderful day of marriage. Part number two, the memories of the courtship, looking back on what led us to that point. And these two lovers, uh, they're, they're longingly expressing their love for one another in chapters two and verse eight through chapter three and verse number five. The memories of the engagement, chapters three, and going through chapter number, on chapter number five, and the, 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 the marriage and the consummation of the marriage is all written down there. And yes, it's in very flowery, poetic language. And there are books that, that, uh, that really work uh, on commentating on, on the uh, Song of Solomon, making it a little bit under, uh, more understandable. But remember, it's written in kind of that Eastern um, poetry, but it is very, um, very beautiful in its, in its language. Uh, in, in, as it looks at marriage. Part number four, this dream. If you if read through the book of Proverbs, you remember uh, uh, there's this dream that is had and, and where's my spouse? And, and you know, fear of losing uh, the spouse, losing the companion there in, uh, in that, in that uh, fourth part. And part number five, the reassurance of love as, as uh, uh, wake up from that and realize that not gone, there's the, the, the steadiness, the permanence of marriage and the beauty of that. And part number six, really the bride's appeal, uh, the beauty of that. And God intended it to be that way. God intended for the husband's heart to be raptured by his wife. What does the Bible say in the book of, uh, of, book of Proverbs? Pro, uh, Solomon uh, tells his son, always be ravished with her love. That's what God wants, not to go after a strange woman. Or, over an, or another love. Part number seven, the power of love. And it, it finishes out there, the power. And it's interesting, in, uh, in chapter eight and verse number seven, it says this, many waters cannot quench love, neither can flood, floods drown in it. If a man would give all the substance of his house for love, it would be utterly contempt. What is he saying? You can't buy love, you can't give all the possessions in the world for love. It's something so special. In God's economy, in God's design, it's something so special. You cannot buy that. That's why. That's why Satan gets in and he, he says, oh, there's, there's someone else or there's something better. It's straight, <laughs> straight from the pit of hell. I mean, it's just a, a, a raunchy lie from Satan. Because the love that God gives in a marriage that's built on Jesus Christ the love that God designed cannot be bought with all the substance of your house. It's a very, very special thing. You know, uh, the Song of Solomon really builds and, and emphasizes the picture of, of marriage according to God's design, but really highlights what marriage was to be and what it was to symbolize, the relationship between Christ and his church. Does Christ ever stop loving his bride? 
Is his bride fully accepted? Come on, there's shouting ground right there. You don't feel fully accepted? You, don't, you, you sometimes feel like, oh, I'm just a, a worthless individual? No, Christ fully accepts his bride. And friends, tonight, you're fully accepted, and that's what ought to happen inside of our marriages. Our spouses, we ought to fully accept one another. And that is found right, right within these pages, a, a full acceptance. There's complete permanence. There's no talk of divorce. There's, there's longing when there's even the, a dream that, that the spouse has been taken away. Ever woken up mad at your spouse because of the dream you had? <laughs> You're chucking ner- nervously. It's funny sometimes those, those dreams can be so very real. But you understand that as, 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 as wakes up from that, that, that dream, realizing, oh, no, it, it, it was just a dream. But understand, this is all focusing in on Christ and his church, promoting this love in this marriage relationship that was to be a symbol of Christ and his church. That's why our marriages as Christian individuals ought to exemplify complete love for one another, ought to exemplify uh, getting right with one another, being in, in harmony with each other, being close to one another, not, not distance. You walk out, you see, you see it out in, in town in stores, the, 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 the fighting and the bickering with one another, the, the, sharp, the sharpness with one another. Our marriages as Christians ought to represent Christ in his church. Guys, that's a tall order for us. We're to love our wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. So if we could have a takeaway tonight from the Song of Solomon, the depth and passion of love that God designed to be experienced within the marriage relationship is greater than the value of all that you have. All that you have. And uh, your marriage is your marriage. Work on it. Perfect it. Allow God to, uh, to shape you into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ through your marriage. And if I could say this, I think, as we think about these three books, we see that God's way is always, always better. Following his path, walking in the fear of God, walking according to wisdom, Solomon figured it out. It's always better to follow God's way. In our marriages, it's always better to follow God's way. And the world says you need to to live free and and be able to uh, choose your identity and choose your gender and and choose who you want to be with. You need need to be able to change this from day to day. And and marriage is like putting on a ball and chain. No, 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 no. God's way is always better. It's the most beautiful thing in the world. And uh, remember this, if you're not married tonight, you ought to thank the Lord Jesus Christ. You're part of the church, aren't you? You're part of the church. You're part of the bride of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have a wedding day coming. Could be sooner than we think. Could be tonight. A wedding day coming. The marriage supper of the Lamb will all be there. Everyone will be there. And uh, that'll be a beautiful, beautiful day. Better than any wedding we've ever attended. Better than our own. It's hard to imagine. Better than our own. And uh, praise the Lord for that. God's way is always better. Let's, uh, Let's keep our eyes fixed on him. Father, thank you tonight for these words of wisdom that you've given us. In your, in your word, help us to be faithful to our marriages and follow your path in them. But all, and every day, as we w- wake up tomorrow, Lord, help us to connect with you, walk in your fear, and walk according to your wisdom, we pray. Give us grace to do that, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this episode, and please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. 
If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at Grace Baptist Church. We'd also love to connect with you online at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for checking out this episode. I look forward to having you join us again right here on the Grace Baptist Church podcast.